filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So our, our longtime listeners are uh, very familiar with the, um, the conflict and confusion that reigns in the western portion of Anne Arundel County between what, what constitutes gambrels. Is Gambrels real? Uh, How many Gambrels are there? Are there many? There are at least two Gambrels. The Gambrels I? Uh, who could, I think who could it's Gambrels these. It, it, no, it's just it, Gambrels. This isn't Greek or Latin, y'all. It's just Gambrels. <laughs> um, I don't know. So the, Gambrels the, are like I sheep. The root, yeah, I don't know the root language or geese. Uh, behind Gambrels. I don't know where, where it, it comes from. Hold on, Ben. It, it's not like geese because you don't have one geese. <laughs> That's a different word. You're saying that the plural is the same word. It's a lovely time in Gambrels, and you are a horrible goose. Maybe, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, so I, I, a friend of mine that I went to high, or I went to middle school with, as well as high school. Um, he grew up with me in Crofton. He went on a hike, which is not in, a Gambrels, correct? And he went on a hike in a town that is. Also touched by one of the Gambrelses. Um and a couple of our college friends met up with him. I personally was busy with soccer nerd stuff, and I was like, "All right, I'll meet you guys afterwards for dinner and drinks." Um, and they said, "Okay, we'll we'll tell you when we're we're finished our hike." So they got off the hike and they said, "Hey," um, and this wasn't my friend from Crofton. This is crucial. This was somebody else who's not familiar with this whole conflict. Is like, "Hey." We're going to go to this um, tap house in Gambrels. And I was like, <laughs> I, I hope you can feel the face that I'm making through the microphone. And I was like, what do you mean a tap house in Gambrels? I don't think there is one. And they're like, no, no, here it is. And they sent me the address. And it was a Crofton, it was a Crofton location. But the Gambrels, uh, the Gambrels address has come up again, despite being in Crofton. Um what the if we just got rid of Gambrels? Of Gambrels just keep extending. Well, uh, this is what I tried to propose: is that there's one Gambrels that's the actual Gambrels. What if this there aren't be- any Gambrels? No, no, there is one, and I don't think Dave, so. John- Dave Johnson grew up in in the real Gambrels. Um, Gambrels and Prime. That one, that one should stay because that's a clear. I don't think so. I think both of them have lost have lost the right. To and exist. then there are many pockets of Gambrels here and there spread all around, uh, and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and it is very upsetting to have to confront that once again. I think what we need is UMD to send one of their epidemiologists, um, maybe pair them up well, with a geographer and figure out what is happening and whether it can be contained or will, is the end state just the world is a gambrels. The state and the County should allow me to determine what is and is not gambrels. Me and me alone. Or, or we'll straighten this out need- in an afternoon. Maybe they need a neutral observer and I will come in and declare that there are no gambrels. I mean, that so, could be fun. They're, they're, the tap house was actually pretty good. You would enjoy it. I think there are like a hundred okay. beer options. Uh, all right. If you, well, if you claim to be, if you claim to be gambrels, 
whether you're in Maryland or not, just ply me with beer or or spirits or or pub food, and maybe I'll declare you gambrels. Otherwise, Ben will declare that you don't exist. And or maybe nobody... out of spite, I'll declare you gambrels. Oh man, now we're now we have an interesting situation. Do is gambrels ben, is, ben, is being a gambrels like, a good thing or no? Well, what I'm saying is that Ben might start spreading gambrels from geography to humans. Uh, we have a transmigration situation, um, not dissimilar to coronavirus, uh, I would argue. And yes, I have I a whole right. And is it can it pass from human to human? Apparently, yes. Uh, I'm so telling you, a, epidemiology is the correct way to study. I'm gambrels. very worried now about this, Ben. I think you should stay away from gambrels for the time being until we can. But am I gambrels? I don't know anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and what is a Gambrels podcast? I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by uh, Gambrels nihilist Ben Bromley. And uh, I'm Gambrels universalist Ben Bromley. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gambrels affected Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com. We talk about DC United a lot more than we talk about Gambrels, the beginning of this uh, podcast, notwithstanding. We have spent uh, a solid 15 to 20 minutes on Gambrels over the lifetime of this podcast, at least. And we, we might have spent like totaling it all up over our almost 400 episodes. We might have spent like an hour on Gambrels. If, if, you, if, you, if you're a listener who really has nothing to do at all, uh, go through all of our episodes and do a super cut where you combine all the gambrels talk into one episode uh, and then uh, tell us that you did that. Cause th- that's, that's really, there's no prize. I'm sorry. If you do that, we will release it. Yeah. Oh, we'll release it. I promise we'll, we will release it. We'll send Adam, I think that's an Adam will buy you a beer. Give. It, I probably will. <laughs> if, if we ever meet in person um, tonight, we're talking about DC United. Uh, they ended their preseason. It's done. Uh, on Saturday, they got a 3-1 win over Allegedly. Philadelphia. We're going to talk about it. And then in the, the second segment, uh, or second episode, I guess we have to decide on that. We should have done that before the show. Um, we we're going to have, yeah, you know, we're just going to do it on the fly. Just wing it. Um, we're going to have Jake Shapiro from the Denver Post on to help us preview DC United season opening game against the Colorado Rapids. That'll happen at Audi Field Saturday, February 29th, 1 p.m., if you can't make it down to Buzzard Point, watch it on WJLA twenty four seven News, which is and maybe other things we don't know yet. Can can I point out that this game will not be what we consider in the vernacular news? So therefore, it won't be twenty four seven news at that point. Should have thought about it, that before. They it's like it the that. sports section at the end of the local broadcast. Um, it might, it this might game also is take- that. It might also take 24 hours for it to get to Gambrels, so I think it counts as 24-7 news that way. Before we talk about anything else, and God forbid, before we talk about more Gambrels, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I made a uh, classic uh, Paloma, so I've got my Olmeca Altos uh, Blanco. I've got a nice a nice lime that uh, I got while in the Crofton, not Gambrels area, because there's a Wegmans there, and I wandered in and bought myself some limes. Uh, and, uh, some, uh, Q brand, uh, grapefruit soda. All right, Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Lambrusco red wine. It is, uh, a little bit fizzy, uh, a little bit sweet. Uh, it's from Aldi. It's 
only okay, but it's wine and I, I decided to switch it up. I've been, I've not just been, I always drink bourbon on this podcast, but I decided to switch it up, drink a little bit of okay wine. Okay. Uh, last week after we recorded the show, um, I went with some friends to Red Bear Brewing over in Noma, uh, which is very near my house. And uh, we played some board games and and drank some beers. And I brought home a growler of one of their their beers. And it is an American brown ale uh, brewed with caramel and coconut. And tying it into last week's show, it is basically their beer homage to a Samoa cookie. And it's it's pretty good. It's called Gimme Samoa, and it's it's a very drinkable beer. A little sweeter than than I normally go for. Certainly not something I want to have more than one pint at a time. But um, it, it it works. It's ba- it's more balanced than I I would have thought it w- was going to be. But once I saw there was a, a Girl Scout cookie beer, I said yes, I have to get that and drink it on the podcast. As right, you should. All right. Uh, All that concluded. Let's get to the soccer. DC United concluded their 2020 preseason on Saturday with a 3-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. Brace from Ola Kamara and uh, another goal from Ulysses Segura put DC over the top. uh, It was enough to overcome an absolute golazo from uh, Philadelphia. Jaime Montero, right? Uh, Jaime Montero. Uh, Jaime, sorry. Apologies. Jamiro Montero scored that one from 23 ish yards. Um, <sighs> really impossible goal to stop. I don't, uh, I disagree. Place. I mean, once the from shot was Mead. off, it was, a, sure. yes. Um, but it was, well, we'll get into it. It was a, it was a transition goal as were several goals in this game. Um, before we get to that part though, Jason, uh, I wanted to start off talking about this. You've been uh, harping on the fact that Ben Olsen was drilling the team in a kind of a pressing four, three, three system with a single D mid in there. And uh, thanks to the magic of internet live streaming, we finally got to see it. Yeah. Uh, um, it might've been, this might've been the first time they've used it. We don't know. Um, the we're stuck with trusting some, uh, basically some lineup tweets from the team. Um, but yeah, we, this was undoubtedly that, um, this was junior Moreno sitting deep Felipe playing the eight wrestle playing the 10. Um, uh, yeah, this was a, a bit of a surprise. This was definitely not the four, one, four, one that Ben Olsen has played in the past. This was a very pronounced four, three, three, um, that pressed the union that gave the union what the union have set themselves up to give other teams. Um, I would argue that they looked better at pressing than the union, um, which the union spent all of last year pressing uh, teams in DC obviously did not. Um, so the fact that they were ahead of the curve uh, from that regard, that's pretty good. Uh, that's, that's really promising news. Um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting system for a lot of the, a lot of the players um, guys like Moses Nyaman and Kevin Paredes have been playing that way for a while. I'm, pretty sure that's the idea behind a lot of what the uh, academy teams play. Um, so yeah, that this is a, it's a fascinating development. It's not what I think any of us were expecting to see when we saw the game kick, even when the lineup came out, I was like, yeah, they'll probably adjust that and switch this and that, but that's not what happened. 
it's always fun when a lineup graphic or a lineup tweet comes out and you're like, yeah, that can't be right. They're going to do this and that. And then it's like, no, they got it. It was right. <laughs> I mean, it's not always fun because last year we saw some like true. So who's who's the wing back in this um, <laughs> and things like that. But those were desperate uh, times. This was a hey, you know, here's some good news with uh, some confusion. Well, the thing that was most surprising, I think, when that lineup came out was uh, Edison Flores at right forward in the four three three. We we talked about if it's a four three three, it makes a lot of sense for him to be in one of those wide forward spots because the number ten is has to be a little deeper in a four three three than it is in a four two three one when he can push closer to the the center forward in that number ten spot. But he spent his career playing in the center and on the left. He was on the right in this one, um, which was surprising because Uli Segura started on the left and he's played plenty on the right. So you got to think this was an intentional thing and there was some thought behind it by Ben Olsen. Yeah, I would assume so. Um, you know, Segura played on the left in training. Uh, I think in most of the sessions I've seen, um, he's been doing stuff on the left. I, I think with him, it's, it's you know, obviously he's right-footed. Um, when he plays on the right, it's more of a traditional winger style. And when he plays on the left, he's inverted. Um, I think with him, the job is really just to balance out the formation because Flores is going to be drifting inside uh, a lot, you know, whether he's on the right or on the left. Um, what I thought was really interesting um, in how they addressed you know Flores being on the right was what they did underneath that, which is have Gressel as that right central midfielder. And there were times where Flores dipped underneath, Gressel moved out wide. Um, there were times where they then, you know, didn't do that. And it was, you know, Flores on the wing and Gressel uh, back in the middle again. Um, I think the first goal actually comes with Flores coming all the way in and actually mm-hmm. right underneath Kamara. Um, and he sort of he, he sort of did like a half dummy, half like glance the ball. And it did just enough to fool the union. It wasn't flashy, but it was effective. Um it froze Ray Gaddis and, and uh, Jack Elliott. And, and that's how all of a sudden Ola Kamara is uh, running in behind all by himself. Um, so it, it's a really, it's, it's fluid in a way that we, even last year, even when D- DC was defensive, um, there was a lot of fluidity in, in the attack. Um, those players were given some freedom. It's just everyone else was not given very much freedom. Um, the angles have changed um, when you shift the formation, but you've still got that aspect where, Flores and Gressel, if they build that understanding, it can be really difficult for teams to defend if sometimes Flores is going to dip inside and sometimes Gressel is going to peel outside. Um, teams aren't going to know what to do, how to deal with that, what to expect from it. So um, it, it, I think maybe the theme for this whole preseason has been, let's not do what we did last year, which was have one way to play. Um, we Everyone knew the ball was going to find Rooney to feet. He was going to look to combine or flick someone in behind uh, making a run. And that was about it. That were the, the options were very, very narrow. Um, and now all of a sudden DC can play a bunch of different ways and they can find a bunch of different players in the buildup. It doesn't have to go to this one guy every time. And I think um, they should be much more difficult to defend because they're less predictable, not because they're more technically gifted, but just it could be this guy. It could be that guy. It could be anyone. So that's a big plus in my opinion. Uh, we mentioned Segura starting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted you to throw to me about. Uh, I want. I want to talk about uh, Julian Gressel. So, 
Well, go I'm ahead. Do that. Yeah. WrestleMania. Yes, I'm going to jump into WrestleMania. Uh, he had just jump off the ropes, Ben. Don't wait to be tagged in. Okay, I'm just busting it out. Um, Take that folding chair to my head, dude. He was basically yes. You're you're, you're dead now. Um, he basically <laughs> had a part in each of the goals in this game, uh, especially in the second two goals. He showed his uh, short game. He showed his 30 yard passing game, uh, especially on the last goal when he yeah. was able to um, thread it to Segura uh, with, with uh, Flores dumbing it in, in the middle. Uh, but, but he took over that, that central midfielder role and what you look confused Adam. I think the, I might the be Flores dummy the was goal. on the first goal, not on the, the third. Yes, that's right. Okay. Uh, regardless, he took over that central midfield role, and his role wasn't to dribble and attack. His role was to play great passes. And yes, it is just a preseason game, but it's the first preseason game we've been able to see. And you don't want to extrapolate a lot, but all we have to do is extrapolate and he was extremely effective and extremely effective in a different way than Luciano Acosta was. And so I am excited to see him continue in that role. And based off of 60 ish minutes, it seems like he's going to be okay in that middle role, even though that's not the role we thought we were going to see him in. Yeah. It's funny. We talk about all the, positional flexibility that that Gressel came in with will he play fullback will he play uh right midfielder will he play right forward uh will he play deep lying central midfielder and the answer to that is no he will play a completely <laughs> different position uh in a different way that we than we've seen from this team and that it, it, it it's interesting because like like I said there's been thought that that went into it and it'll be fun to see if it works and how it plays out and how it evolves over the course of the season, because you never start the season with the finished product. Right. Um, even last year when DC United came out of the gate really hot, that obviously isn't how they finished the year. Um, but I assume that their plan was to build off of that over the course of the year. And then uh, Joseph Moore gets hurt and the entire thing goes to hell. But um, sorry, I got lost <laughs> in a sad place there for a second. We are hopeful, damn it, coming into a new season. Um, on the, the theme of hopefulness, uh, I do want to talk about a couple of the subs we saw in this game. Uh, Jason mentioned Kevin Paredes playing that attacking midfield role. Uh, he was alongside Moses Nyman in the number eight spot, and Griffin Yao got some time out wide. Those are three homegrown players the team is pretty high on. And I've been seeing a lot of praise recently, especially for Paredes. Um, we've sung Moses Nyman's praises in been harping on him for uh, a while on this podcast because the kid is really exciting. And we saw some of him last year with, with Loudon United. Jason, tell us about Paredes. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he's gotten more time out wide in the past, but looked pretty good centrally. Yeah. He, uh, he's one of those classic, uh, you know, he's an attacking midfielder. He can play any of those anywhere in that range. Um, I think with the youth national team, he's played both right and left wing. Um, he's comfortable with, with both feet um, in training. They've been playing him in that the, as the 10 in a four, three, three. 
And, you know, it's, it's not just that he's good on the ball. Um, he's got a little toughness to him. Um, he's not playing afraid. He's not playing as a sort of like he has to take a uh, supplemental role to the senior players. Um, he doesn't have that aspect. And that's that's a real big plus. He's out there playing like he belongs on the field. Um, and, you know, the 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 moment I, th- I think I keep coming back to in, in what I've seen at, at training has been um, there was a collision at one point that um, just a stray arm caught him in the mouth. Um, it, it's the kind of thing that if he were rattled, if he were feeling a little in over his head, he might have taken some time on the sideline or whatever. And he I mean, he was holding his mouth to make sure it wasn't bleeding, but he kept after it. There was no stop in play. There was no like stay down for a second. He just popped up and kept going. Um, and so he's got that mix of the technical ability, the creativity, but also, um, he's got that, uh, mental strength that you don't necessarily get in a uh, young, younger players right away. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, every time it's come up, um, for all three of those guys, uh, all three of the teenagers on the team, um, I get the sense that Ben Olsen doesn't view them. He, they're not necessarily like, oh, this guy is going to be in the rotation every single game. Um, but the the door is open. Um, if they're in training and they're out playing Emmanuel Boateng, um, and there's a spot in the 18 for a winger, Yao or Paredes could take that spot. Um, with the fact that they're playing this 4-3-3, um, Paredes now gives you an option at three different positions in that formation. Um, so he might be in the running, um, right now, at least, um, Griffin, Yao, uh, he played the full 90 and not in this game or the Wednesday game, but the, um, or was it? No, it was the Wednesday game against, um, Nashville. He, he was the only player to stay in for the full 90, um, which is another, you know, we're reading the tea leaves a little bit, but that's another big statement because everybody else in that game, you know, guys that haven't gotten that many minutes in the preseason. They all still came out. He was the one that stayed in. Um, and with Ariola's absence, there is, there's room for someone that plays like Yao does. Um, I mean, Segura is going to get the first shot and, and to his credit, um, and we maybe kind of went past it, but, uh, this was the good Segura, um, against the union. Very good. Um, yeah, this, this was the, if, if he plays like this all season, um, it's not a, it's not a given that Yumil Assad just plays 34 games by dint of being Yumil Assad and, and, uh, our past assumptions of those two players. So this was a really welcome sight to see Segura, um, really combining all the stuff that he does well with that final product, getting a goal, getting an assist, um, getting a goal that, I mean, that third goal, he had a guy on his back. Uh, Andre Blake took what looked like a good angle at him. Um, thankfully with the, um, weird, uh, geo geo locked, uh, streaming, thanks to MLS's bizarre choice to, uh, limit everybody. I will say that the platform they were using allowed you to rewind things and rewatch them, which is very nice. Um, at least for a little while, apparently Adam, uh, not that much longer after full time, but, um, well, that yeah, that one they I couldn't find it on the page. I couldn't find the page, like the web page. Oh, they okay. The seemed to have been taken here. down from okay. DC United's website. Uh, but yeah, I definitely went back and rewatched things here and there. It was running like six to seven minutes behind real time. Yeah, it was way behind, which was, oh, yeah. was kind of wild. Um, but whatever. Um, uh, I can handle behind as long as we get to watch the game in some approximation of uh, 
yes of the day it happened um but yeah especially uh, in preseason but on segura yeah. uh so often when he has that final product it's when it's on his worst days at the rest of the field he won't be able to complete a pass but he'll get in the final third and his the one pass he actually completes will be an assist or he'll he'll put a really good finish on the ball um so seeing him actually play really well and be active and score win a penalty and have an assist um that's a hell of a game if he you, you'd love to see him keep doing that even if it means Assad um has to well especially if it means Assad has to win his place back mm-hmm. um cuz coming off a year without yeah a year without playing a competitive game and he only got a few minutes in this one cuz he's coming back from his own muscle injury that you tend to get when you don't play competitive games for a year. Um, I don't know if Assad is going to start against Colorado. So having some confidence in Segura and Segura having confidence in himself uh, could be really important for this early part of the season, especially. Uh, Let's talk about the deeper in central midfield. Um, Both Felipe and Junior Moreno played time in defensive midfield this preseason. Um, and on Saturday, it was Moreno playing deeper. I'm I'm curious how much rotation we're going to see between the two of them. Less in, you know, who starts in that position and more if we're going to see them rotate throughout the course of a game, uh, which would provide different looks because they kind of, they pass a little differently and they make runs a little differently further up the field. So that's something I'm interested to see. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought last year when they both or when Felipe arrived that it would be Felipe a little higher up and Moreno um, collecting the ball from the center backs, that sort of thing. And that's not how it went. Um, so I know in from watching in training that both players were given the chance to drop between the center backs. Um, there was definitely some willingness to experiment with um, how those relationships work when you switch where those players line up. Um, I was a little surprised to see Moreno at the as the anchor in that midfield, um, but it does make it makes more sense to me to do it that way. Um, Felipe has more experience playing higher up the field. If people remember his time with the Impact, he was actually a ten for a part of mm-hmm. that season under Jesse Marsh, um, and then he played the eight with uh, the Metros. Right, and if you want to be a higher pressing team, I feel like his uh, aggression towards other players in the tackle and things like that, it does more higher up. Um, and, you know, I, I think his range of passing is a little better than Moreno's, but I don't necessarily think you have to have a huge passing range to play that role. Your job is to keep the tempo. It's not necessarily the six doesn't have to be who opens the game up for you. It can be Felipe. It can be Gressel. It can be the fullbacks um, spreading out wide and pushing up, which we saw some of. Um, all of that is on the table. It doesn't have to be the Greg Berhalter crew where Will Trapp had to have the ball every single time and then would try and spread the field by passing to a winger. Um, Jason, you don't have to Jason, do- yep. please, we, we, let's never re- relate TC United to Greg Berhalter. <laughs> uh, I, I will say for the record that Ben Olson did mention at the last training that uh, he and Greg Berhalter actually get along really well. Um, their time with you can be the, friends. You can be friends. You don't have to yeah. take tactics from each other. Um, apparently, on the 2000 World Cup team, because they just didn't play very much. Um, they <laughs> both great. bonded. They bonded over not playing, and then the next day, uh, 
um, when everyone else was sitting out training and the players that didn't play were angry that they didn't play. Uh, the sessions were basically a, a battle to the death, and that's where they bonded because pro athletes are like that. Um, that's great. Be friends. I, yeah. I don't want his coaching tactics in DC. United. Well, well, fortunately this is kind of, uh, this is different than, than what the crew did. So this is, um, Moreno's job is to make sure the tempo is quick, but he's not necessarily, he has the option of looking for a longer pass, but he doesn't have to be the guy every single time. Um, and I think that's fine that he's perfectly capable of doing that. We've seen him do well in that role with um, him being the deeper midfielder and the eight being a ball winner um, when it was Canals. Um, Felipe, very good ball winner. We know how aggressive he is. Um, we know that he has more experience higher up than Moreno. We might as well let him, you know, it, it makes more sense to me to let him loose in that, in that sort of spot than to try and switch them because Felipe maybe has a bit better, longer pass range. It, you know, I don't think you gain as much um, – with Felipe deep as you do with Moreno deep and Felipe playing it as a pretty traditional number eight. And especially if you have uh, Felipe as a linking eight, he can drop back and receive a short pass from Moreno or other things can happen there too. So all this relates to something that we've talked about in the last couple of years with DC United, but they seem to be a lot more focused on this year and that's playing out of the back. Uh, even after a turnover, even after, even off of goal kicks. I mean, we saw, we saw Bill Hameen take goal kicks short last year. This year, he'll be allowed to take them even shorter because his teammates will be allowed to receive the pass inside the box. Um, And United seemed to almost invite Philadelphia forward in this uh, as they played through and almost invite the counter press so that they could pass through it and try to get out into transition from there, as opposed to just trying to find a midfielder or a forward immediately and um, running at them. They, they kind of created transition, if that makes sense. Um, and both of those seem to be how they might want to play this year. Obviously, we don't have a huge sample size of, of actually seeing the team do this, but pressing to cause turnovers and then building out of the back and getting into the open field from there um, by pulling the other team forward. Those seem to be kind of points of focus for DC United this year. Um, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it was it was gratifying to see two goals come from that. Yeah, and if you're in the East, you need to be able to play through pressure. Um, there are too many teams in the East that high press. You need to be able to do it. Um, that or you need to find uh, a big old target man and go uh, early 90s Premier League uh, Route 1 kind of thing. Um, those are your options. Um, we don't really want to see they, they go, you know, lump it 60 yards to the big guy. Um, in training, they've been working very hard. The, the second team was very specifically told to press as high as possible. Just, uh, press, sell out to press, uh, DC's starters. Um, DC has done some work with the new goal kick rule. Um, so they are looking at their options with that, but they don't just want to, you know, you've seen some teams, if you're getting up and watching the premier league in the morning, you've probably seen some teams that are the goalkeeper touches the ball to, the center back and then the press comes and things like that. Sometimes DC, what DC wants is the, the other team to commit to pressing inside the box, because if you're familiar with their shape, um, the opposing team's shape, they're going to step high and you're going to have a chance. It's they're stationary in that moment because they're waiting for you to kick the ball. 
all of a sudden you can see the angles. You can see where, where can I break a line real quick? And maybe you don't have to play to Briant. Maybe you don't have to play even to junior Moreno. If there's a window to pass to, um, and there's an attacking midfielder or a forward even that has checked back real quick and has found a pocket of space, why not play a ball on the ground to that player's feet? And all of a sudden you're cutting five or six guys out of the other team's shape. Um, that's something that they're really looking to do. And against teams like the union and the red bulls, um, Atlanta to a certain extent, not as much as it used to be. Um, a lot of these teams are trying to press that way. And so if they are one, they want to take that risk, keep all the options on the table. You, a, can you play through it? They're trying that they've had some hit hits and some misses. Um, can you just bypass it with that pass on the ground? It doesn't have to be the long ball over the top. It can just be a 30 or 40 yard pass that just cuts out a bunch of guys at once. Um, can you pass out to the wing? Can you drop your six into the box as well and have him receive the ball? Um, it's again, it's just many more options in the moment for the guy taking the goal kick. Whereas it used to be if the passes, if the other team doesn't press high, okay, we play short. If they press high, okay, we play long. And that was pretty much it. It was, it was a binary and it didn't have to be. Now DC's got five or six things they can do. And that's much harder to defend. Even having like a third thing makes it much harder to defend having five or six. Then now you're in business. Well, and the way that the fullbacks played in this game uh, goes to what you're saying, Jason, that it, they're giving themselves more options. The uh, Mora and Canals both bombed forward in the attack. And in uh, when DC United was trying to play out of the back, they still stayed high and uh, Moreno dropped low. So it was kind of in a 3-4-3 three, three when they were playing out of the back. And Hamid had the option to play it to one of the basically three center backs playing out of the back, or he could cut out to the, uh, the, the two basically wing backs in that situation, either to Knauss or Mora uh, to bypass, uh, to, to bypass those three effective fullbacks. Uh, like you said, giving themselves a lot more options as they were going forward. And even if they play it to one of the fullbacks with uh, Mora and Knaus so wide and so high up, they give themselves a lot more options uh, going forward and can, can play out of a lot more situations than just your typical four, two, three, one, four, four, two British style bullshit. Right. I will, before, before we move past, I, I do have to add that um, there is the downside of trying to play through a pre- press. There is going to be at some point it's going to go wrong. Um, the yes. best teams in the world have this happen. Um, try to avoid the confirmation bias. You know, yes, at some point DC is probably going to vote. If they keep, if they stick with it all year, they are probably going to give up an easy goal to someone at some point. Um, and you're going to remember that much more than the, all the other times that they played through the press and actually gave themselves control in a game. Um, don't get caught up in that. Just like you shouldn't get caught up in like if your team scored a corner kick goal, um, don't forget the like 50 corner kicks that came before <laughs> it that didn't lead to a goal. Don't overrate the corner for, for uh, quality of scoring chance. This is the same thing. Um, teams that play out of the back get burned by it. LAFC got burned a couple times. NYCFC, the same. Uh, Atlanta, when they've tried to do it, they've had things go wrong. Um, but don't necessarily expect it to um, always go that way if it happened once. Now, if it keeps happening then you have to start to say refine it or you know ditch it and find a different way but um 
you know, just because it goes wrong once doesn't mean that you have to throw it in the trash right away. It's, it's a, it's one of these things where the costs are very high, but you don't get bit that often. Um, so we have, have a little patience with it. Cause it, it, it's, if you want DC United to play better soccer, this is a way you, you play better soccer. It just, right. It's, it's the front foot soccer everyone has yeah. wanted. So you're going to have to let it. It's not going to be marinate. It's never, per- no one's played at perfect soccer. It's never happened. No one's ever done a perfect single, perfect game, much less a perfect season. It's not going to happen. Jason, Jason why aren't this, why isn't this team 11 Leo Messi's? That team would be incapable of playing a perfect game of soccer. It's true. You, know, but, you need a bit of a meat on a team of Leo team, The way to beat that team is, <clears throat> excuse me, regressive route one, lump it up to the front soccer because you would run over their center backs who are tiny. They, I, I would recommend that team have one guy stand on the other guy's shoulders. Um, <laughs> Two Leo Messi's in a trench coat. Yeah, you, you get into some really silly stuff, though. Um, you need to get really innovative real quickly in that if that's your team. At that point, you're a man down. Got to deal with it. Figure it <laughs> You're a man up, That's, technically. But um, <laughs> it's on somebody's shoulders. Uh, back to actual soccer. Um, we we talked about Julian Gressel. He had the assist on the third goal, and one of the things I really liked from him on that goal and from Russell Knauss on the first goal was getting their heads up and playing, looking for the the wide forward in behind. Um, they both found Segura um, in in the first goal's case with a little help from a cheeky orejas. Um, so it's good to see them look for that option. Um, when you had Rooney up top and Lucho underneath, there was a lot less of that option than, mm-hmm. than maybe there should have because both of them, their first move was to check back and we were sitting so deep so much of the time that TT uh, Rodriguez and Paul Ariola were not in a position to be running on, on that back line. So this setup, gives you a chance for those transition goals and having guys at fullback in the case of Canals and Gressel, obviously in central midfield. And I, I would think Felipe could make that pass too, if he is able to get his head up in oh, the yeah. midfield. Um, those are some good options and that forces teams potentially to either sit deeper or expose themselves on that. Cause Kamara can get in behind. That's, that's his bread and well, butter running the channels. And it reminds me early in the second half of how, uh, Yamil Hassan received a goal, was up against uh, Gaddis, I believe, and beat Gaddis easily and was almost able to beat Andre Blake uh, near post just because he was able to goof Gaddis so badly. Uh, those are the kind of quick, quick attacks that, uh, like you said, that they can transition into if they're given the opportunity to play quickly out of the back, play quickly through uh, all of their players bypass the midfield and go straight from the the fullbacks to the midfielders. We talked about um, the lack of depth on the, on this team kind of across the board. It's just, there's not a lot of numbers. If this comes together, this team could be able to exceed a lot of expectations, but especially with Paul Areola out, which we'll get to in a second, they are kind of on the cliff's edge when it comes to just being able to field a coherent 18 man roster. Um, so uh, hopefully we see some more bodies come in uh, before Saturday <laughs> and before the, the uh, transfer window and trade deadline in, uh, well, in May. At least, yeah, we've got some time on that front, but yeah. the games are very close. 
Yes. Uh, and we, I don't think we had another situation like last year when Joseph Mora went down hurt. We needed a left back and very quickly realized that McCann wasn't going to be able to play that position. So we went out and signed uh, Marquinhos Pedroso and traded for him. Um, he also wasn't that, a solution at that spot. Right. Like it's, it's still just as bad. And like, if anybody goes down other than uh winger where the team had some depth, if anybody else goes down, then we're in a crisis situation. I think so. Um, especially because we have those homegrowns in there. We have Knauss who can slot in. Um, and then we have no fullbacks. I mean, you at that point, you have to be, you ha- at some point, you have to be comfortable playing Adui Achim and or Fisher. Um, and, and hopefully we get to that point. But I'm not, we gotta, I'm not sure they're healthy yet. Yeah, that's that's an issue. And we don't know if Assad's healthy yet. Uh, right. At least healthy enough to to go longer than half an hour. Um, well, we'll have to see. I don't know if he's able to start, like I said earlier. Um, well, maybe you should have We mentioned Paul Ariola. Yes. You don't have to convince me. But uh, I, I keep having to say it for the, for the people who listen to this podcast. Am I going to get through this transition? No, because you don't let me get through my <laughs> statement. You got to be quicker. I pause. I let you come in and you don't do it until I'm done. I did. I did do it. I did do it. We mentioned Paul Ariola earlier. Um, we talked about him last week. We talked about the potential best case scenario because we didn't know the prognosis or, or anything. Um, it is not the best case scenario, at least as far as getting him on the field quickly. Um, the people who seem to to know uh, athletic health uh, say this is probably the right decision for him long term, and so fully support it. But he went under the knife today, as we record this Monday night. Um, had a successful surgery by by the team's report and and his own, and he will be out for nine months, which is effectively the entire season. Um, we, we, at this point, I don't think we can expect to see Paul Ariola on the field until 2021 comes around, which it sucks, but it, it sounds like the right thing for him. He's obviously got a fight ahead of him to rehab and, and get back into shape and into form. Um, but he's now essentially got a year to do it. Um, and DC United has to figure out what to do. Uh, with their roster in the meantime, sign some players. There it is. Um, on that front, they, they have been connected. There've been reports that they uh, are in negotiations with former uh, Columbus crew midfielder and current uh, Velengra. Is that how Valeringa. that's pronounced? Valeringa. Well, there's, it's the a with the circle over it, which I do not know what to call that. Uh, so I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Uh, the longer, yeah. If Amer- that, Americans, Americans pronounce it Valaranga. Yeah, if the All circle right. wasn't there, we would say Valaranga. All right, Valaranga in Norway. Um, he's apparently reportedly in negotiations to join DC United. He's uh, another guy who can play either the six or the eight. He's been teammates with Ola Kamara before. Um, Ghanaian, who who's gotten some some time with their national team, the Black Stars. Um, I don't actually know much else about him or his game, but he would fill one of the the spots that that Ben pointed out where, where DC United would be thin if if any injuries happened. So um, hopefully he is not the only 
signing to to come in, but we got to see. I mean, I would prefer a fullback signing because I don't want Knauss to be at fullback more often than not, but a signing like this makes it seem like he will be. Yeah, it it, it opens the door. Um, You know, Abu, at least in Columbus, he didn't play exactly like Russell Knauss. Um, He's more of a midfield facilitator, um, uh, a guy that um, always has a high passing accuracy. He's not necessarily a guy that breaks the game open, but um, doesn't commit a lot of turnovers, keeps the rhythm right. Um, more of a Nick De Leon type in that position. A, a little bit, yeah. Um, someone who works really hard to make himself an option, um, which is nice. But um, yeah, he's not necessarily a hard tackler. He's not a big guy. He's only, uh, I think he's listed at 5'7", and I, I don't know if that's uh, generous or not. Um, but if you're going to play possession soccer, you probably need a guy like him somewhere on your team. Um, so he makes sense from that perspective. Um, and it, for, and from the, like, add some guys perspective, uh, it's certainly not unwelcome to have, you know, we talked last week about don't just sign guys that are just some guys. Um, sign someone who's actually MLS caliber, who can actually make a difference if they come into a game. Muhammad Abu is MLS caliber. He is a solid player from a team that made the playoffs while he was in Columbus. Um, so from that, from that front, um, provided the, the cost isn't too high. Uh, my understanding from the Norwegian report. And if you actually, if you go, I think, um, uh, I think Ryan keeper tweeted out the article link. Um, the Norwegian report that's out there has, a video at the end of it. That's an English language interview with him from a Norwegian reporter, because everyone in Scandinavia speaks like five languages because they're uh, doing a good job at a lot of things, apparently. Um, and apparently he's out of uh, favor with the coach. The coach just has a different way. He wants to play. Abu doesn't fit. So he's just sort of stuck and he wants out. Um, he's not angry. Just, you know, he gets it. It's not going to work here. He's got to find somewhere else to go. Um, if the cost for getting him out of there is not too high, if the salary isn't too high, then this in a vacuum, it makes sense. It's just that we're also, we need some center backs. We're talking about a team that only has one forward at the moment until Eric Sorga's, um, whenever they decide to announce that that's going to be moved over from Loudon to DC, um, the fullback situation is still kind of alarming. Um, so yeah, there, there are a few spots where, it's kind of uh, it's a difficult situation. So um, that doesn't mean Muhammad Abu is not a player you should sign. It just means where's the other guys? Because um, we got Jonathan Campbell on trial, but that's it. We we were all kind of under the impression that the two previous trialists were both kind of sure to get contracts just because there weren't any players on the team. They got let go, and only one trialist came in their place, which means that even if he does get a contract, we're still one short of where we thought we were going to be. So. Um, yeah, science, science and players. I think that does it for, for this episode. We are going to put an end on this and release the, the second segment as a standalone episode later this week. Uh, I apologize to anybody 
listening if my neighbor's very loud singing got picked up by my microphone. It was is a little distracting there uh, while Jason was was ending him his thing. Uh, thank you all for listening to this episode. Be sure to check back in later in the week when we will have Jake Shapiro on to preview the game against Colorado. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at patreon.com slash filibuster. Patreon patrons, uh, you should get early access to the Shapiro episode later this week. So be sure to to check out our Patreon feed for that. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate, review, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. So when you're gearing up for the game on Saturday, just mention the podcast that you listen to and the the smart intel you got about Gambrels from it. Um, for Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say Gambrels, Jason. Not everything is a Gambrels. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs>